<clears throat> first of all, to say, uh, if you remember last time I taught, we had the evil bucket, the evil bucket. In Lighthouse, we, do a, we have a ministry here at the church for anyone who has kids, you know, pre-K, 3 through 12th grade. It's a little school, a little school, a little in size, right, like the David of school. But it's a school ministry here that we have, and I get to share with the kids every morning chapel. Way more comfortable, love doing that in the morning. It's interesting trying to talk to pre-K three-year-olds at the same time as seniors. So that's always interesting. I'm always like, so seniors, you understand when you like someone and you're trying to like cover a topic that maybe a three-year-old, but you want the seniors to really know what you're saying. It's hard to sometimes jump that. But the evil bucket was one of those things that, that, that came into mind, and it was from a verse in Proverbs. You know, and sometimes, we talked about last time, you get your foot caught in that evil bucket, and, and, and we realize we try to hide that, we try to hide it, but, right, there's no way to, like, hide it. Uh, I got nothing, you know. If I came up here, I almost thought of coming up here with the evil bucket, but it was, they were praying, it would have been distracting. And then sometimes, the point was, it's very easy. Just, man, get your foot out of the evil bucket and walk away from it. You don't have to get caught in that evil bucket. Well, another thing that we did in, in Lighthouse a couple chapters later, or maybe in the same chapter, it talked about the cords of sin, how your sin entangles you. And so uh, we, we, I had a bunch of ropes in the bucket. And then not only did I get my foot caught in the bucket, but then I tried to get out of the bucket, and I had all these ropes attached to me. And I realized sometimes after I get out of the bucket, I got to cut some strings, Right? I stopped the evil action. I stopped that thing I was doing. But then sometimes I leave the strings attached, and I was, you know, and maybe some are really long. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I walked to Orlando, and, and the, the bucket didn't follow me. But at some point, it comes right behind you, and then you realize it's still there. And sometimes you got to cut those strings that are attached to that. So, you know, the evil bucket, the evil strings. Now, there's a word that I wanted to focus today on, and um, that word is found there in Numbers. It's found in several places, but let's just look real quick at Numbers 13, verse 28. No, that's not it. Oh, I'm in Leviticus. Yep, it is Numbers 13. Yes. That was, it was like about leper spots or something. On, so that's not it. Okay, so the first word there. It says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And that word, nevertheless. Nevertheless. And so if I was going to pick one thing in the beginning of the year that I wanted to focus on is this word, Nevertheless. I'll give you some of the dictionary definition. It says it's a conjunctive adverb for all the English teachers. I always, you know, I'm terrible at it. That's why I married an English teacher to help me write my college last semester papers. <clears throat> that one class I took was really hard. I needed help. <laughs> Anyways, conjunctive adverb, it says it tells the reader that something happened even though there's something that might have stopped it from happening in spite of that. And so what I like about that word is that it includes whatever other thing you just said, right? 
I think a lot of times in life we try to pretend like maybe something didn't happen because I want to go do this other thing. And maybe it could be with good intentions. And so you try to bury something that has happened either to you or in your life. And, and, and instead of saying, in spite that, or realizing all these things are still true, nevertheless, here's this other thing I'm going to go do. And so we try to pretend like things didn't happen. And, and, but I like that word nevertheless because, again, it includes those things. It's saying because this and this and this. So even though I'm more comfortable talking to, you know, Lighthouse in the morning and all the kids in the morning, even though I'm actually, uh, I feel more comfortable maybe talking to a small group, even if there's a terrible circumstance, right? Nevertheless, Pastor Zach asked me to be here this morning. So I had to figure out, you know, what to say. Now, in Numbers 13, this is Moses, and let me give you a little more info on where we're reading, but this is Moses. Now, I'll ask you a question. How does Moses make tea? He brews it. Yeah, good one. Thank you. All right. Nevertheless, uh, Numbers 13. There is a promise given to the Hebrews. There's a promise given to them that they will go into this land, this promised land, right? All of us dream or want this promised land. It's like that, that oh, this place, that's where it's going to be at. And um, in that promise, there had to be some taking over of certain territories. And that didn't come without a fight. That didn't come without hard work. You know, they would have to confront an area, and, and, and God literally said, that land is yours. But along that land, there was a lot of enemies that they had to cross. And, you know, they didn't go and say, hey, could you please let us through? We're just, you know, if you could please, I just want to get to there, and everything will be fine. Uh, it, it wasn't, that's what, never mind. The point was that there was fights. There was, there was confrontation. And so one of the things that they had to overcome was getting to this land of Canaan, and they weren't going to be naive about it. They realized there's going to be some hard things to do. And so they sent out some spies. They sent out the guys that go before to check out what kind of fights are we going to be getting into. Who are these enemies that we're going to be getting close to and they're going to want to fight. And so they sent out the spies. They're out for 40 days. In verse 21 through 25, you see how they spy out the land. Verse 26 it says that they told him and said, hey, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and, that, and this is its fruit. Flowing with milk and honey is, is not an actual river of milk and, you know, honey streams. It's, it's, a, it's figurative saying this thing is amazing. You know, it's, I was trying to, in my mind, I know the... the TikTok generation has all these words. I still, I, I didn't, I, I'm not sure enough in what they mean to have said them. But there's certain words that, oh man, this is amazing. Whatever that newest words is. I didn't want to misuse it. I usually do that and then I realize it's something bad and, and I regret it later. So <laughs> I decided not to use it. But that thing, it's amazing. That new thing that just came out. I mean, this, this land is amazing. It's all we've ever dreamed of. It's it's has all the things we want in it, which sounds like good news. In verse 28, that's when there's always this, this group of people. 
Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And so they come and they give this report back to Moses, and they say, the land is amazing, it has everything we want, it's, it's, it's awesome. But there's giants in the land, there's, there's, I mean, the fortified walls, there's no way we're going to be able to get in there. Caleb, I love Caleb, look at verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Because, you know, as you give that information, everyone's like, oh my God, oh no, oh my God, oh no, they start freaking out. And so Caleb, who's an older man, he's, he's a, a wiser man, he's, he's, I love it that even when he got to his 80s, he still wanted to conquer this land, but he had the heart even here at this point when he was younger. So Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we were well able to overcome it. And so you got the, the two perspectives. You got the, the, some of the spies that were just saying, there's no way. Yeah, it, it's amazing, guys, but just forget it. It's too hard, too difficult. You know, I'll give you an update on, right, the modulars. We've been praying for the modulars. Those three little buildings back there, that's, I don't even know, four years, five years or something. We've been waiting. God has done amazing things. I've gotten discouraged many times and said, these giants are too big. There's no way. But I always knew, and, I, and I'll, I'll insert the word there, nevertheless, let's see what God has. And God has done amazing things, so just keep praying for them. There's a, a little bit more movement again on them, and so just pray. God, open up the doors so that these things can finally be done the right way in every aspect of that. So just pray for the monitors, but there is movement. Keep praying for them. So these guys were getting discouraged. Some of them wanted to discourage the people. They were discouraged. And that happens a lot of times. You're, you're, you're bummed out yourself, and so you bum out everyone else around you. And, you know, you give reports, and, 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 and then there's the Caleb. No, 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 everything's fine. Everything's fine. It, no big deal. In, in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 14, you see how that affected everyone. It says, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. And so, by their... Okay, these are ten spies sent out by Moses. This is not some pagan group, someone who does not know God. This is, this is a group from within Moses, that he trusted to be spies. This is, this is a group. If we're using church as an example, these were, these were the believers. This was a group of believers. They all went out. And as they came back, they had different reports, different outlooks on how the situation would look. And then again, there's going to be the group. And it's, it's not to be down on if you're in one group or the other. It's to realize if, you're in the, if you need to change a perspective of something that God wants you to be changing that perspective in, it's, it's a good thing to do it. Because if you step away from the moment and the situation, you realize your perspective has an influence on other people. And, and, and I sometimes, you know, we say, I say sometimes a lot of the things I do, I, I fake it till I make it. Because if I go in there with what I feel inside, right? Ken Grace talks about feeling. Then I'm going to just stay and do nothing. Because I, I don't have the full confidence and expertise 
to go accomplish that thing that's before us. That not often, you know. Maybe a, a plate of food. I, I'm, I'm confident I could eat it. Even that sometimes, I, I, you know, I, I see other people who know how to eat. And I say, man, I'm a, I'm a wimp. This guy had three plates. I had only one. So even, even that sometimes. I'm... But we have to go in and realize the perspective. And so their perspective, this group that said, hey, there's giants. This is not good. This promise God has given us. We've been wandering through the wilderness. We, we were in Egypt where we at least got some stuff to eat. Right now we're struggling. We're not doing well. And this thing is even harder than what we've been through. There's no way. There's no way we're done. And everyone began to, and that's what happens when you have that wrong perspective as a believer, and you go in and communicate that, what happens is people will start to complain. It will start to spread. Oh, did you hear? Moses has been bringing us out this whole time, promising us a new land, and he's not going to be able to do it. It's crazy. He's killing us. He wants to wipe us all out. Moses doesn't know what he's doing. None of these guys know what they're doing. And, and, And that's the effect. Now, Caleb, Caleb had a different outcome, right, or a different outlook. Let's go to a different portion of scripture with that same word, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, so if you're in Numbers, it's to the right in your Bible. And it's right before, if you got to Psalms and Proverbs, you went too far. So it's between where you were and Psalms and Proverbs. So Nehemiah. In chapter 4, verse 9, Nehemiah uses the same word. It says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them we set watch against them day and night. So here, in a very similar circumstance, it's another man of God, another person that's been coming to church. And, and give you the history here of Nehemiah and I almost thought of just doing Nehemiah today. It's such, I, every time I look at it, it, it's just such an inspiring book to me. But Nehemiah, in the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 1, he prays. And he sees that there's a huge problem. His problem was that in Jerusalem, the walls were all torn down. So the, the people that were supposed to be living there were exposed to attacks from the enemy. And he's devastated that, that there's nothing being done. There's no walls being built. And so he begins to pray. And so this guy, he's just a regular guy, regular job. He's not a priest. He's not no, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing to identify him out of the group to be this religious person. Uh, he was a king's cupbearer. I mean, that was a very quiet and risk-filled uh, position. Basically, everyone that wanted to poison the king, Nehemiah tasted the food first. So he did get to eat good, but he also might die. So he tasted the king's food, yep, good. And, and I don't know the relationship between him and the king, but I mean, there had to be some trust, but probably not a lot of conversation, because he's a cupbearer. He's like, you're the guy that dies if you eat the food, and it, you know, I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship they had, but he's just a regular guy. It's not because he's working for the king, it's a high position. I mean, think about it. Hey, we have a job opening. Okay, what's that? Taste everything the, kids, the, the king is going to eat, so if it's poison, you die first. 
I mean, I don't think like everyone that's noble and you know political is going to go apply for that job. So, as far as a job, it's 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 a great job. He's in the palace. He's doing all right. But there's nothing to make him stand out other than he has a burden. He sees a need. And this happens in church a lot, right? Some people, they see a need and they say, hey, church, you got to go fix the need. Look at this need over here. You go do something about it. Nehemiah doesn't. He prays. You look at some of his prayer. It says in verse 4, chapter 1, you don't have to turn to there, but he begins to fast and pray. So he begins to not eat a certain meal because he's like, hey, instead of eating this meal, I'm going to pray because this is so heavy on my heart. Fasting is not a losing weight plan. Fasting is not, I'm going to bend God's arm. I'm not going to go on a hunger strike till God gives me what I want. Right? Zach was talking about that Wednesday. Fasting is saying, God, I want to just take a moment of something I would regularly do, but I want to pray instead. He's doing, so he's fasting, he's praying, and he, he knows the people are hurting. In chapter 2, he goes before the king. He can't hold it. At this point, this burden for the people is so heavy that the king sees it. He says, hey, why are you sad? He tells the king. The king says, hey. Now, it could have gone either way. The king could have said, you're out. You're done. Or he could have sympathized with him, and he did. The king gave him everything he needed to go to Jerusalem, basically a vacation or a, a leave of absence to go do this work. He gave him a set amount of time. Nehemiah goes Chapter 3, he gets the people to start doing this work. Remember, the, the walls are, this isn't even a, a priestly thing. You know, we see all the needs around us. And again, it was a need. There was, there was something that needed to be done. Walls needed to be built. He saw it. He said, I have a prayer. My heart's burdened with it. Someone asked him a question. What's wrong? He explains it to the king. King gives him the ability, hey, go for a few days and go take care of that. And he goes there, not having a construction background, not having the idea of how to lead. You know, he, did he graduate from some leadership courses? I'm going to lead a whole bunch of people on building a wall. He did it. He had a burden and a prayer, and he went for it. Now, sometimes God really blesses that because, man, it's, it's like a step of faith. You go on a missions trip, and you see it. You go out. You take the step of faith, and God starts answering your prayers. It's amazing. But sooner or later, you got to be ready for the attacks because you know they're going to come. Because the enemy sees that you're responding to all that God is telling you to do, and he wants that to stop. He doesn't want you to get... If you're there doing nothing on the sidelines, the enemy is almost sometimes not even paying attention to you because you're taking care of it on your own. <laughs> you're just... You're not concerned about God. You're not concerned about... But when you start taking steps of faith in your life, and it doesn't have to be leading an entire city to build a wall. Or it, I mean, it could just be, I want to get up in the mornings and pray. I want to start my day with prayer. And, and that's a step of faith for you. The enemy, at some, you, you might start, and it might be amazing, and you're like, wow, I feel even more refreshed. But at some point, attacks will come. So that's where we get to chapter 4. Nehemiah has Samballot and Tobias, these two guys, and they start discouraging. They start mocking the people. Hey, yeah, you started building the wall, but even if a fox gets on your wall, it's going to fall down. You guys don't know what you're doing. You're a bunch of just, you know, coffee makers, right? Hebrews that or tea makers that don't know what you're doing. And Nehemiah, that's where that word gets inserted. 
you, you started this work. You don't know what you're doing. You're not skilled at this thing that God is having you step out in faith to go do. Now the attacks even come. People start discouraging you. They start mocking you, telling you how you're no good, telling you how that thing you're going to do is not going to succeed, even trying to block you by fear. And then he inserts the word. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And so, man, what a way to, to start the year. 2022 or 2021, 2020, whichever moment in that you want to pick or all of the moments. And then you can, man, nevertheless, I made a prayer to our God. And so if we leave today, we just say, okay, nevertheless, I want to make a prayer to my God. Man, that's, that's a step. That's, that's good. So just to finish Nehemiah, because I, I love Nehemiah so much. Confusion wants to come in. Nehemiah prays. Now, I love it because there's some people that I have worked with, and um, you know we do a lot of the things, a lot of things with police and and uh, and law enforcement, and and uh, I think I heard a statistic in, in America like 90 something percent of people say they believe in God. So most people say, yeah, I believe in God. And, and I love to hear those people that when you tell them, hey, I'll pray for that, they said, yeah, yeah, you could pray, but how about doing something for it? You're like, if prayer is not doing something for it. Now, the thing is that prayer just helps you know what to do for it. Prayer helps you so that you could start doing it and doing it well. Because if you go do it on your own, yeah, you might start doing something and you're, gonna, you're not going to get anywhere. So prayer is the first thing that should be done. So nevertheless, what should I do? Pray. Like that should be the first thing. Oh, but there's, there's this big thing that God, I think God wants me to do this. And you go off and do it, you, you miss the step. Nevertheless, pray, right? And so as he prays, then he gets the plan. And it's not a naive plan. It's a well-thought-out plan. There's enemies that are going to attack, but we got to build a wall. So what should we do? Okay, easy. Grab a shovel on one hand and a sword on the other. So he, he told them, protect yourself and work. It's great. It's, it's a good lesson for us. And then protect those around you. He said, well, some people worked because they needed both hands to work. Others stand next to them protecting them. So if any attacks come, there's someone there to protect them. And, and God calls us to do that for our families, right? To be wall builders, to put up the walls, in the process of that, if you haven't done that, even if you have been doing that since your kids were little or maybe your kids are older or whatever, at some point there's, 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 there's a point where you're saying, I want to build some walls up. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I don't want to be exposed to the enemy. There's a part that requires working, but there's a part that requires someone getting your back as well. And that's why you need to have that, that accountability. People that are going to be there to pray for you and work with you. And so the nevertheless is not just a crazy, I'm just going to go do this thing for God. And, and you, you go off and do it not in wisdom. You go and you set people around you to do it. You protect yourself. You protect, you maybe are protecting someone around you. And they would switch back and forth. And so if that doesn't work, the enemy is not going to stop. So let's say you're, you're praying about doing this thing. I want to start a Bible study at my job. I want to I pray with the people at work. I want to... I want to uh, uh, start serving at church, whatever it might be. I Those attacks are going to come, outward things to stop you, a mocking, friends, 
different distractions. But if that doesn't work, the enemy is going to allow things to boil from within. And then what happens in chapter 5 is the opposition that happened right within the city, not even outside the city walls. And there were leaders in the city. All these people that came, they sold, they left their houses, they left everything to come to a city. Remember Hurricane Andrew, 1990, I was looking it up, I think it's 1992, if I, I just saw it and I forgot, but memory is one of those I have to always be like, nevertheless, let me keep going because I don't remember. Andrew, right? Rubble, imagine coming to that scene and saying, this is where I'm going to move now to. I mean, it's not like you moved into something that's already set up. There's a lot of struggle to go through it. And so that's what they move into, a, a town, a city that's, that's in rubbles. And then leaders in that city began to, um, it, the Bible calls it usury, lend the money, but then put a lot of pressure on the money they're going to give back with interest. And Nehemiah goes in and says, are you guys serious? We're of the same family here. We're supposed to be working together. And you're going to take advantage of these people's circumstances to get more profits for yourself? Do you realize, man, that's wrong. And so the opposition from within and the struggles from within. And then the complaining and again, the same thing that started happening just like in um, Numbers where we were reading that the people started complaining from within. The enemy wasn't even close. They were, right? The enemy was over there in Canaan. And before that enemy was able to attack from without, there was already the discouragement from within. And so those attacks began to happen. They began complaining with one another. Chapter 6, the walls finally completed in the time frame given. They didn't have to extend the permits. <laughs> We've ex Let's give you an idea. We've extended a certain permit like six times already. That's more than normal. So just pray that we would never have to extend that permit again and we can finish it, okay? And it's not our fault, but just, just pray. Keep praying. All right. Chapter 7, he does a registry. Chapter 8, I wanted to comment some things on chapter 8 of Nehemiah. In chapter 8, so as you begin to do whatever work of God that he is putting before you, whatever it is that God has laid it on your heart, maybe you're going to, again, pray with a group of co-workers, you're going to do something different in your morning, you're going to start this relationship, you're going to make this move, you're going to, whatever it is. In chapter 8, I think it's very, um, it's very important. Look at verse 1 and says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. Does that sound like something in the New Testament, right? It calls, we're the body of Christ. It says one body, many members, but one body. And it says here that they gathered as one man. They gathered as one body. So everybody, the lawyers, the doctors, the, the wall builders, the priests, they gathered all together in one place. They had church, right? Churches, we know it's not the building. This is the church building because it houses the church. Just, you know, a school building houses the school, but, but I mean, the kids are part of the school, right? So this is a building, but this is, the church is us. And so we gathered as one in the open square that was in front of the water gate. The water gate is interesting. It, it points to the word of God. It's, it says it's like water. Um, it, it cleanses. Or it says they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded Israel. 
And I wonder where they turned to, right? Did they turn to Numbers? Did they turn, they turn to Leviticus? They turned to these places like what we just read in Numbers. They turned to these books of Moses, the law. Ezra the priest, it says, they brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day on the seventh month. And so one of the things that we have here, Calvary Chapel and as a church, and, and every church does things in a different way, and it's great because God's not boring and he has many different kinds of places. But we as a church find it very important with this same principle. Everyone that gathers who has understanding that's why we have our kids' ministry, right? So that they can have an understanding at their level. And the kids' ministry teachers do a very good job at it. And we gather together. And so what was the age of understanding? And it was about middle school age. And so here at middle school, we have the kids come into the sanctuary. And elementary, we have them go to kids' ministry. And the heart behind it is this. Hey, we have... God's doing something. God's doing all these things. Every member is doing something. We're all going to gather together in one place. And what are we going to do? We're going to pull out the Bible. And what are we going to do with the Bible? We're going to read. And, and everyone that has understanding is going to gather in one place and we're going to read the Bible together. Man, what an amazing thing that is. And, and, and that's, that's what church is. That's what we do. He also, um, they also gathered, I lost my place in, in the notes, but I know that they worshipped together as well. And so they gathered together, they set up the musicians, they worshipped, and then they read the Bible. And it says that he would put out, he put out certain people kind of on the sides, and as he would read the law, it says they helped give understanding of the law. So they read the word of God, and then they just helped people understand what they were reading. Not, not give their own comments, but just help understand what are we reading. And that's exactly what we do on Sundays, on Wednesdays, young adults, the youth group, the, the ladies study, the men's study. And we get together, we read the word, we try to help give understanding of the word. And again, in the context of here's a city that was in rubbles. They just finished this huge work of building the walls. And what's the first thing they decide to do? Well, let's do a huge festival to, to celebrate Nehemiah's 10th anniversary of, you know. And no, they don't, they don't focus on Nehemiah. They cut out the gossip and the usury within the group. They protect themselves from attack from without the group. And they read the word of God, pray, and worship together. Yeah, but there has to be more. That's it. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we'll continue to do. So we're still looking at that word nevertheless. Let's go to Luke now. Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, verse 5, this time let's not read the, 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 the key verse. Let's go to the verse 1 first. Get the story first. It was 
as the multitude pressed about him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down your net, the net. So there we have the nevertheless again. And here you have a guy, he's at the end of his shift work. He's done work all night. He's tried really hard all on his own. He's had a very frustrating night because he hasn't caught any fish. He hasn't been able to make any money. He's, he's, he's as far as feeling good about himself that day, he is not doing well. He, he, he's experiencing uh, frustration. He's, he's kind of done for the day. And then God has those words. And can you do this one more thing? It's like, man, it's Sunday and I'm tired and I've gone all week. Or maybe it's, it's Sunday morning, and, but you're here. But maybe someone else was, man, it's Sunday. It, it's, you know, it's the new year and, ah, man, I, I've hosted so many people and I'm just so tired. And it takes some pushing through to get to that next part of Nevertheless. It's not an easy thing. It's not like, nevertheless, and I keep going. It's a, it's, I mean, it, there's, there's a grit that comes with it. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, it's late, and I got to wake up early tomorrow, and I got all these things to do. But you know what? This is what I'm doing. And, and it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So Jesus, he gets into that boat with the fishermen, they're already done. They're cleaning the nets. Jesus has a little Bible study. starts teaching the word of God. And they're listening. Probably while they're cleaning their nets. He's teaching them from the Bible. And so far they were able to deal with it. Peter. They were fine. They're like, hey, just let me keep doing my thing. You know what? I live stream while I go fishing on Sundays. Just don't take my fishing away. Every Sunday, that's what I do. That's why I can't go to church, because I fish. Just like Luke 5, they were fishing. Well, the problem is you might not be catching anything, right? Say, like, no, no, I, can't. I catch the good stuff. Well, share it then with others. But the point is, he was working, and as long as it was a Bible study, hey, just keep me at, at this level. And sometimes whatever level that is, we feel comfortable if God has you there, man, that's great. But sometimes God is saying, I, I, there's a little bit more that is amazing. I have this land for you, this Canaan. I have these things for you. I said, but I, I, I'm so comfortable here. And, and so like many of us, including myself, right, we, we're able to at least come to church today. We listen to the word of God. But now God is asking for that little bit more. And maybe, possibly, it's, it's something we're not fully comfortable with. 
And it's going to require obeying and trusting in him. So a lot of times after that, nevertheless, is a little trust and obey that comes after. We get confused sometimes and we think we have to do things for God. Right? Like, like God needs the work. And we realize that God doesn't need the work. We're the ones that need the work. He's, he's working all things out for good to those that love him. He, everything he's doing is for your good. So he doesn't need your work. He's trying to make it good for you. And sometimes we're like, no, nah, I don't want you to make it good for me, God. I, I, I want to keep it where I have it. And he says, hey, go a little bit more into the deep. Let down your nets. That's going to require humility. That's going to require pushing through for a moment something you really probably, I really don't want to do that. Or I think I don't want to do that. And it's no longer there in the shallow, but we're not, you know, just sitting here hearing the word of God. But it's time to take that word of God into then our own places. This is Peter's area of work, fishing. This is, where, this is what he does. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, I, he says, I, I want to go with you right into the place where you fish. But this time I want you to have me with you. And just trust me and listen to me in this. Try it out. Throw out your nets. Jesus, I've been, we've been doing this all night. I, I've been throwing down that net. You don't even know how many times I threw down that net, and I picked it back up. Now, when you throw out the net, the, that kind of fishing, you know, the goal is to catch a lot of fish. But, you know, every now and then you'll catch one or two, but they had caught nothing. I mean, they were, they were zero. It says, again, I love that word because it includes everything else before that, whenever he does whatever he does after. So, I was working, yes, and I was tired, yes, and I've been catching nothing, yes, and you know that I'm a fisherman, you know this is what I do, Jesus, you go and teach little Bible studies, I fish, you understand, I'm frustrated that you're asking me, okay, nevertheless, he let down the net, it would stink if we just stopped there, but you guys know the end of that story, right? So nevertheless, he lets down the net, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for, my, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And when you get close to Jesus, one of the first signs that you're, man, you are getting close to the Lord is you realize you're a messed up person. Man, I'm a messed up person. Man, all these things I doubt on, I struggle with, but yet, God, you're still there. Man, God, you're amazing. Notice, man, it poured out to all the other people. It was Peter's decision. Imagine if Peter would have not, nevertheless. I'm making that whatever part of speech that is. It's a verb now? I don't know. He, he nevertheless did. And it worked out really good for him. Right? All the people around them got blessed and, and they got profit and benefit from it because Peter obeyed. Peter goes, God, here, here are my feelings. Here's, here's where I truly am at. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of this. I'm scared. I'm not good at this, Lord. But nevertheless, you told me to throw down that net. I will. And now... 
Man, all the people that would have missed out had he not done that. And we don't have that part of the story. And are there times where we throw down the net and then there was nothing and God said, I just want you to trust me. What if I asked you to do it again? Would you do it? So there are times where we don't have the end of the story. Or the end of the story, that blessing part, that Canaan doesn't come right away. And you said, oh, I did that thing. And look, nothing's happening from it. You know, you realize the modulars, one of the things that's been amazing, uh, we, we were three years, right? We're trying to do this thing, and, and, and it was getting nowhere. And because of all the delays, and some of you know this story, some of you don't, but because, I'll try to make it short. Because of all the delays that I was frustrated with, I, I, it wasn't happy moments for me, right? And we're doing this thing, and, and it's getting nowhere. And we decide one day, um, through a set of circumstances, someone had... One of the staff members passed away. Someone came to help. And because of that person, who's an, an older gentleman, who's like this all the time, he's like, he's, I don't know how he does it. Uh, I think we're going to try to go visit the owners of the property to the north. And, and so we decide to go, and I was going to talk myself out of it. So we chose a day that the county had a meeting for us in downtown because the place was in Key Biscayne. We're like, okay, we'll go on that Friday. We'll just go. And again, I would have been like, oh, I'm busy, forget it. I'm not going to go. I, I, I saw Pastor Raza's face when I said, hey, why don't we go visit the owners to the property to the north to see what they're going to do with that land. We had already heard they're going to put a, a, a park there. They're going to use that land for something else. There was already plans for it. It was already past step one. And so we go see this, this person because of this other circumstance that this excited guy was like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we end up at this place, we go to the guard gate, we ask for this person the, on the county records, the name that's on there, we ask for them by name. Hey, is so-and-so there? And then the guard, it's a, it's a private condominium. I thought it would be an office, but it's a condominium because it was some builders. And they say, yes. No, and actually, they, he gives me a face. The security guard's like, who? I'm like, this person? Oh, okay. Comes back, it says, what are you here for? I say, uh... I had to make something up because I didn't have a reason. I said, what do I, I want to talk to them? No. So I, I'm here to hand deliver this letter. We had been sending a letter just because they had trucks were coming through our property. Oh, I'm here to hand deliver this letter. Okay. So the second building over here. All right. This lady comes down. I explained to her, hey, I'm from the church. We, you know, these trucks have been coming through. Here's our number. If there's anything, just, just wanted to, you know, talk to you or whatever. She says, oh, yeah, the county, and now they're going to put a park and all this stuff. I'm like, okay. She calls back that night, and she says, you know, wait, wait. I want to explain something to you because I don't know if you understand, but I've been out of this country for five years, and that condominium has been rented to the same person for five years. And in those five years, we never had another tenant. The person just told us that they're moving out. And so I came for basically one and a half days, two days, just to meet the realtor to list it for rent again. Not only did I come for two days, but I came and went to the apartment to meet with her for two hours. And in the two hours that I came, I stood next to the phone, which the guard calls for a few minutes, when the phone rang at that exact moment for someone asking for me by name. And I don't even live here. So she, she, she explained that. She's like, 
this is crazy. I go, yeah, it is. It's, it's God crazy. And, and, you know, she says something about the stars aligning or something. But um, the point is that we make contact. And in that conversation, it's, yeah, 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 it's been over a year. The contract is kind of expired, but the county is still looking to put a part there. I said, whoa, whoa, wait. You said the contract expired? Well, yeah, yeah. So, so there's no, no one's buying it? Well, they're buying it, but, you know, it's not on a contract anymore. It kind of expires. So were you looking to sell it to anyone else? Well, I don't know. Let me call. It's my husband. Oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. So she calls the five partners and they said, look, they'll only sell it to someone else if they're willing to give more money. And they were wanting a lot more money. Long story short, we said, no, we're not going to give you that much more money. We eventually tried to negotiate, you know, way beyond what I know Pastor Raz is comfortable with normally, and they said no. Uh, months passed by. The a hurricane comes by, I think it's Maria, tore down all the trees, and I call her back, said, hey, you've got a lot of trees down and fences are down. If you need help with that, I got people that are doing it on our side. We can, I can give you their contacts. They could do it all together or whatever. How's the county thing? Oh, it's still not through. I said, okay, well, you, do you still want to consider? So we end up talking to these five business partners in Colombia where they live, and they said the same thing. They wanted more money, more money, more money for it. And we uh, were like, well, we can't do that. And then we call back and we say, okay, we'll give you this little bit. But it's almost like offensive when you're talking about real estate. It's like if you owe someone a, a dollar or, you know, and, and you're giving them 99 cents. Like, really? You couldn't find a penny to give me the whole dollar? Like, come on. So it was that kind of thing. Like, you were offending them. Like, Oh, uh, you know, let's say it's 100 Okay, $101, you know, when they're asking for 500 And it's like, $1? <laughs> but we did that. So, uh, <laughs> and the person uh, tells us the same story. No, we've gone through so much with this land, and we've already invested money in the thing, and it's been so many years. Already. Well, could you close in 30 days instead of 60 days? I say, well, wait, for this Amount down here, not, not the amount you were, yeah, yeah, for that amount, but could you close in 30 days? We said, okay, sure. Now, we had no bank. We hadn't contacted a bank yet. We, now we have 30 days. A long story short, we ended up doing it. I said, okay, 30 days from now, what day does that land on? They're the ones that realize, okay, that's the last day of March, 2018 or whenever it was. That's the last day of March. And they go on their calendar and say, whoa, pastors, wait. Do you realize what that day is? I said, no, what's, whatever, 30th of March. Yeah, the last day of March. I said, no, that closing would land on Good Friday, in Viernes Santo. So the nevertheless for that land was, yeah, it's taken so long, all these delays, but nevertheless, God had a bigger plan. And now, part of your prayer is that that nevertheless would be even greater once some things that could happen would happen. So keep praying for that. But I wanted to tell you the nevertheless story for that land, that all these problems and headaches, and nevertheless, that's how God allowed the church to now have uh, the full 10 acres. I wasn't in the notes, but we'll just skip to the last verse. Go to, um, go to Mark chapter 14. So if you're still scared to Throw a nevertheless into your life. As God is asking maybe for something, 
you know that the Lord is putting something on your heart, but you haven't gotten to the point where you want to insert that nevertheless and going and doing it. Mark chapter 14, verse 36, this is Jesus. He gets, he already has um, the Lord's Supper. He, he, you know, he talks to the people. He breaks bread with them. He talks about there's a betrayer. And then he gets into the garden. This is before he gets arrested and, and taken to the judgment and to the cross. And, and it says he came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he's, he was there with his disciples to sit. And he told them, sit while I pray. Later on, he's praying, verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And so even Jesus had to come to some of these nevertheless moments where he's like, this, this is hard. This is very hard. Our very hard is nothing compared to Jesus' very hard, right? It's like, you know... There's this joke of a, there's a comedian, and he's talking about kids, and he's taking his daughter to the mall, and, and, and to get to the mall, and her friends aren't there yet, and, her, you know, and the daughter's like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. I can't believe it, it's the worst. You know, and he, he jokes, he's like, yeah, you know, remember those Chilean miners, you know, trapped in the bottom? I bet you one of them was like, man, we're trapped down here, we got no air, no food, we're all probably going to die. This is bad. But being in the mall while your friends aren't there yet, that, that's the worst. <laughs> so our, our the worst is nothing compared to this moment here in Jesus' life where he's going to take on the sins of the world, all the punishment for sin, the separation from the Father, that betrayal, that, that judgment is coming on him, and he even has to get to the moment. Jesus, the, the Son of God, God-man, where he says, this is a hard one, this is hard, this might be the worst, but nevertheless. Now imagine if Jesus didn't take his nevertheless moment, what would have happened then? How many people would have not been affected or, you know, would have been affected differently, right? Jesus took his nevertheless moment. He says, nevertheless, not my will. Because his will as a man at that point was, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. This is hard. This is difficult. What are people going to think of me? What are, hey, nevertheless. And again, it's okay to feel those feelings, to have those thoughts go through our head. But we go past that with nevertheless, not my will. Man, your will be done. Well, that's a trust. That, that required trust. So you have in Luke where Peter, it required obedience, right? He had not learned, maybe he learned to trust Jesus because he just trusted him, but Jesus had not shown up in Peter's life enough yet for Peter to be like, man, every time you've never let me down. This is Peter's, one of Peter's first interactions with Jesus here. So that trust has not been necessarily built yet. So in Peter's case, it was obedience, Hey, this man, he taught the Bible, and he said, throw down my net. All right, I'm going to do what you say. But in this case, Jesus, this is a trust moment. And so for us, and for Jesus, right, he's, he's been there since the creation of man. He knows the Father. He knows the plan of God in this moment. It doesn't stop it from being difficult. But he said, I, I know where my trust needs to be. It can't be on what I feel at this moment. It has to be in, in God. You are 
you are who you are, and I know you're going to come through. So, so there's obedience. How do you go past not being in the nevertheless moments like in numbers? Because you can have, there's, there's that nevertheless moment where, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, so, right, where you look at the circumstance, and then you tell God, I know what you're saying, God, nevertheless, this opposition is too big and scary. That's the one nevertheless. Or you could look at God and tell the circumstances, I know these are big and scary circumstances, nevertheless, not my will, your, your will be done. And so to get to that second nevertheless, which is where I want to be, man, it will have that obedience and trust that we got to go forward with. With that, let's pray. Worship team can come up. God, I thank you that uh, it's not our will. Lord, we want your will to be done. And, And as we hopefully just leave with a simple thought of, of when will be a, one of those nevertheless moments for us. God, if there's one right now that we would not leave this place without the Nehemiah nevertheless. Nevertheless, I made my prayer to God. And then, Lord, after that, you will lead and guide in, in what steps to take, what to do. And even when discouragement comes, Lord, we will know that, that we could... Trust and obey what you're telling us to. And so, God, if that's to wake up earlier to pray, if that's to, 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 to pray with our coworkers, if that's to, to go on a, on a Bible study, to go on a missions trip this year, God, to, to start serving, to, to start a, 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 something different in the gym, wherever we're at, Lord, whatever it is that you're putting on our hearts and our mind, God, help us to... Not look at the circumstance and let it dictate uh, that decision, but we could look to you and, and Lord, we would remember that um, you are working all things for good. Lord, that you are, you've given us that promise of the Holy Spirit. You've given us, God, your word. And, and Lord, every time we've gone and done something and it's backfired and it hasn't gone well, help us to uh, Lord, continue to realize that you haven't changed. Lord, it's just another moment to go through. And so, God, help our hearts be settled, our minds keep on that thought of, in spite of all this, Lord, we, we're, we're, going, we're coming closer to you, Lord. We're, we're not, you haven't let us go. And so we pray these things and we worship you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.